Yeah, so this morning, uh, I want to share with you a little bit from the Psalms. And uh, yeah, my church just, uh, we did a series in the Psalms. And yeah, I really enjoyed it because um, in the book of Psalms, uh, which are really just, they're songs, they're, uh, you know, prayers that God's people have prayed over, you know, thousands of years. Uh, they really, the Psalms really engage all of your emotions, right? It's not just your head, it's your emotions. And if you read all the Psalms, you'll see every kind of emotion. Right? You'll see joy and thanksgiving. Um, but you'll, you'll also see negative emotions. And um, the Psalm that I want to I wanna, uh, preach uh, today is Psalm 42. And I think this is one of the, one of the Psalms that I think is the, the rawest. The most raw, Ross is that word. The most raw in terms of, of, of how honest he is with his emotions. And, and in this psalm, he really, um, the psalmist really talks about uh, depression and anxiety and loneliness. And, you know, I really feel like in our cultural moment today, like uh, this is, you know, this is... Uh, more people than ever are feeling depressed and lonely and these negative emotions. Just let me just read to you a few um, names of articles that have come out in the past few years talking about how lonely people are these days, especially younger people. Right? These, these, these are articles from the New York Times, USA Today, The Atlantic. Right? Young people report more loneliness than the elderly. The biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. Loneliness begets more loneliness. How social isolation is killing us. Right? And I think it's, uh, it's quite ironic in some ways because in our modern-day society, you know, we have more modes of communication than ever before. Right, you can you know email and social media and all these different messaging apps, and also like transportation in many ways is cheaper than it's ever been before, right? Um, and you can go you can go see people, right? But but the stats show that we actually see people less and less, right? People visit their families less, right? People hang out with each other less, and so we're we're isolated, and it's more pronounced in younger people. And so the question is, you know, what do you do with your loneliness? And what do you do with those negative emotions when you have them? Like uh, anxiety, depression. Right? I mean, I think our, our first uh, reaction, our response to those feelings is to kind of uh, ignore it or hide it and just get on with your life. Just get on with it, right? And I think actually we're very good at having like uh, multiple personas, right? So when you're, when you're with people, with, you're with your friends at work or at school or in your small group, you know, you're one way. I mean, you're, you're fun. You're, you're, you can laugh. You can joke, right? But then when you go home and it's just you by yourself and you're, you're sitting there in front of your computer or your phone and all those feelings come flooding in, right? You're a different person. You know, but next day you just kind of switch it back on again. You, you just ignore it, right? So what do we do with those emotions? I mean, thankfully the Bible is not silent. It doesn't say ignore them, right? And, and here in this psalm, we're going to see how we um, can 
pray through those emotions, right? So let's go ahead and read. Yeah, let's look at Psalm 42, and uh, we'll read this. I'll read this. This is the ESV. Um, Follow along, please, in your own Bibles. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray one more time. God, Lord, we, we just want to thank you once again for, for gathering us here this morning. And Lord, uh, as we sit uh, under your word, God, would you speak to us? Lord, we just want to uh, just confess and, we, and, and, and believe that your word is powerful and that it has the power to change us. And so, God, as we uh, hear your word, would you open our hearts? Would you help us to be attentive? Would we be prayerfully listening to your voice and what you might be saying to each one of us this afternoon? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what do you do with those negative emotions? Okay? Uh, First thing we see here in this psalm, the first step when you have those negative emotions is, is this. Name your emotions. Name them. Um, the psalmist here, man, he, um, he just lets it all hang out. Right? He doesn't hold anything back. If you really pay attention here, he's raw, he's honest. Right? He, uh, um, he's, he pours out some negative emotions here. Right? I mean, if anyone tells you that, you know, um, you know, what Christians are supposed to do when you have negative emotions, it's just to kind of like just put on a happy face and say, praise Jesus. Right? Like, you, you just haven't read the Bible, all right? The Bible is full of laments. You know, actually, like a bunch of the Psalms are, are very negative-sounding. They're just honest overflows of negative feelings to God. And so um, we see here uh, that the psalmist names his emotions. This is, well, who is the psalmist here? Well, the psalmist here, it says in the subscription there, or the superscription, that he is a son of Korah. And so these people, the sons of Korah, they were like the worship leaders. 
like essentially like uh, you know our brother and sister here who led worship. This is them. They're they're writing uh, the um, he was writing this song, this prayer, and you can tell even just from reading this that this is a worship leader because look at verse four. He recalls. He talks about, he remembers about how he would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. So this is a worship leader who would, that's his job. He leads worship, right? And, and, and we find the psalmist here, he's at a low place in his life. Um, you know, we don't know all the details of what he was actually doing, going through, but we see that in verse 6, he currently finds himself at the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. And that's significant because if you look that place up, what you know about it is it's very far away from the temple in Jerusalem. So in the Old Testament, there was, you know, God literally dwelled in the Holy of Holies in the temple, and all the worship leaders would, you know, lead worship around the temple, Right, that's where he. That's where he. That's where he does his thing. Right, and he finds himself really far away, and literally he's far away from God's presence. Right, because God's presence was in the temple. And um, you know, we also see what else is happening here. People are attacking him. They're ridiculing him. Look at verse three and also verse ten. They uh, people are saying, "My ad, he says, my adversaries they taunt me. Where is your God?" Where's your God now? So, uh, so how, what are these? How are these circumstances? How do they make him feel? Well, he, uh, yeah, like I said, he he doesn't just kind of like glaze over it and say, you know, I'm fine. You know how it is, like, uh, you know, someone asks you, how are you doing? Like, and like your week was like literally the worst week ever, and like you're totally depressed, and you're just like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Just put on, you know, just, oh, I'm fine, right? No, he doesn't do that. He, he, he pours himself out very honestly. Look at verse 1. Okay, look at verse 1 and 2. He says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, you may have heard this verse before. It's kind of uh, a well-known verse. And uh, this, is, this is just a, a good example of um, try, making sure you understand the context. Because when you read that, it, it sounds like a very, like, spiritual thing, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I love God. I want to know you more. I want to, uh, uh, you know, like, I pant for you, right? But that's not exactly what he's saying. What he's saying is, I am really thirsty for, God, for you, God, because I'm dry. Because I feel all dried up. I mean, like, look at the next verse. He says, When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. All right, this dude has been crying himself to sleep every day. So when he says, God, I thirst for you, right? I'm thirsty for you. He sleeps because, because I don't feel you at all. I long for your presence because I, I, I feel thirsty and dry, like, like a desert. And then look at verse 5. He says, O oh my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Right? When he looks at his soul, when he looks at himself, all he sees is, 
all he feels is just turmoil. Right? Have you ever had that feeling like um, where you feel like sick to your stomach, but you're, I mean, but you're fine. There's nothing wrong with your body, but you literally feel sick to your stomach, like throwing up or something, or just like there's a knot in there, right? And it's because of your circumstances, it's maybe because there's some kind of uh, a conflict in your life, someone who uh, is unhappy with you or, or something something going on, some emotion. That's what he sees with himself. He's sick to his stomach. And then look at this image in verse 7 here, okay? He says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And... Um, yeah, like, I, I was like, when I was studying for this passage, I was like, what the heck does that mean? You know, like, um, I studied, I read up several commentaries, and what I, what I, uh, what the scholars all, all, all say is this image is not, uh, once again, it's not a positive thing. I remember when I was a, uh, a youth pastor, I think I saw like a youth t-shirt that had this verse on it, like, deep calls out to deep, you know, like, like as something like, uh, something uh, positive, but once again, this is, that's not exactly what he's saying. It's not a positive thing. What he's saying is he's picturing two waterfalls, right? Picture two giant waterfalls, and the waters are cascading down those waterfalls. And so each waterfall is like calling out to each other deep to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. And then he says, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And the breakers are, um, I also have to look that up, right? It means a heavy sea wave that breaks into white foam on the shore or, or a shoal, right? So waves that are crashing on the ocean and, and crashing on a rock. And so what he's really saying is this. He's like, I feel like I am just being pounded right now. I feel like, yeah, there's, there's two waterfalls Right, and the, the water is flooding down into this valley, and I am in that valley. Right, and these waves are just breaking over me, and I feel like I'm 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 getting drowned. Uh, so so put it all together. What what is this guy saying? He's feeling. He's, he says, I feel spiritually dry, and parched. I feel cut off from God's presence. At the same time, I feel like I'm getting crushed. I feel like I'm getting pounded, drowned, overwhelmed. You know, listen, the first step in dealing with negative emotions is not to stuff them. It's to name them. It's to, it's to, it's to say it out loud. Right? I mean, to... To say to God, I feel like I'm I'm being pounded right now. You know, maybe maybe you just need to cry. Right? I mean you know, I think what this is saying here, you know, the Bible tells us here is that if you feel these feelings, maybe you feel them even right now. Maybe this week you felt the, that a lot, right? If if you feel those feelings, it's not unusual even if you're a devoted Christian. Dude, this is a worship leader. 
This is worship leaders saying these things. Right? If you feel those feelings, actually, you know what? It's expected to feel those feelings. I mean, this is a, this is a genuine Christian. You know that because he's thirsting for God, right? So he's got the Holy Spirit in him, moving him uh, to thirst for God, and yet he still feels these things. I mean, if you look at Romans 8, Romans 8 says that until Jesus returns, all creation is groaning, Right? Because the create, this world is still broken, right? We have redemption, but we also live in the brokenness of this world. And in fact, in Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. So, you know, to have those feelings doesn't mean you're weak. You know, it means that you're human. And, you know... Yeah, maybe uh, maybe someone told you along the way if you cry you're weak. It's a, it's a it's a sign of weakness. But you know what? I think to not cry when you have those emotions is more weak because you're too weak to let go of that facade. You're too weak to say that you're weak. You'd rather pretend that you're strong. It's not weak to sometimes to cry and to let out your emotions. When's the last time uh, you actually just said out loud how you feel to God? I mean, that's what he's doing here. He's, he's letting it out to God. He's naming them very honestly to God. You know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm a stereotypical guy in that I'm not good at expressing emotions. It makes me uncomfortable, right? It just makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I, I get annoyed sometimes when my wife, like, asks me, like, how does that make you feel, right? And I'm like, uh, fine. You know, it's fine, <laughs> right? I don't want to talk about it. It makes me uncomfortable, right? Let me just watch SportsCenter, right? Um, but... I think what we're commanded to do is to is to deal with our emotions. Right? First to God. Right? First to God. Tell God, I don't feel your presence now. I feel like I'm in a desert a desert. I feel pounded and tired and worn out. I mean he even says, God, have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten me? So so talk to God and then Talk to a close friend and tell your close friend your, your true emotions. You don't have to tell everybody, right? But talk to someone that you trust. And, yeah, when my wife, you know, talk, asks me how I'm feeling, you know, and it, it takes me a while to do it, and I actually do, but it's, it's there's, there's like a freedom. I feel freed when I actually just name the stuff that's bothering me, Right? So that's the first step. Don't stuff your emotions. Instead, name them to God, to yourself, and to others. Okay? Secondly, what you need to do is you need to talk to yourself. Okay? Talk to yourself. Now, I'm a self-talker. I, I don't know if uh, anyone here is, likes to talk to yourself. I do. And it's kind of embarrassing sometimes because sometimes I just like, yeah, I'll just, uh, just kind of say some stuff out loud, just random stuff, my thought train will just kind of come out. And when I'm at home, my wife will be like, what? 
what was that? And I hate it because like, then she also wants to know, like, what, why I said that. And it's, like, in the middle of this weird thought train, and I have to explain everything. And I'm like, just forget it, right, you know? So I, I sometimes just randomly talk to myself. But look, this psalmist here is actually, like, talking to himself. Uh, look at verse 5 and verse 11. They're identical. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. All right, so he's literally talking to myself, himself. He's, he's saying, soul, Ben, okay, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? Right? He's having a dialogue with himself. He says, soul, hope in God. He says it twice, and in fact, he says it another time in Psalm 43, and Psalm 42 and 43 are actually meant to be put together. So he says it, he keeps on saying it over and over again. He keeps on telling himself the same things over and over again. And I think it's interesting because if you just read the psalm, it's interspersed with all these real uh, negative laments. So he's like, he's saying, I'm pounded, God. I feel, t- you know, I feel parched and dry. I don't feel your presence. And he says, so, why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. And he come, goes back and he says, I feel like I'm, I, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a waterfall. And I say, I say well, God, have you forgotten me? And then he says, so, so, why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. He's constantly talking to himself, questioning himself reminding himself of who God is. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was this uh, pretty awesome theologian, British theologian. He was actually also a physician. Like he had, I think he had went to medical school. And he wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. And this is a quote from that book. He says, The main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression is, uh, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Am I just trying to be deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself? instead of talking to yourself? See, this is what we do. This is, what, this is our default mode. Is you just, every day you, you live, you just listen to your thoughts. Whatever comes up in your head, and you just listen to them. And you just go with it. Right? Your own thoughts, your own perception, maybe the voices of other people that, you, uh, that are prominent in your head, uh, often they're negative, and all you do is you just listen to yourself. Right? So maybe, you know, there are thoughts of condemnation, right? You're sitting there and you hear this voice saying, you're a loser. You know, why does this always happen to you? Why can't you be more like him or her? Right? Maybe as you're going along, you, you, you're, you're, you have these negative impressions of people around you, of your friends, and you just hear it. You know, that person is like this. this that person uh, the reason he said that, the reason she said that, is because of this reason, right? And, and just, you hear these whispering into your ears, and you're not even sure they're true or not, but you just, you just listen to them, and you just let them overwhelm you. Maybe you replay things in your head. Something someone said to you, 
and you just replay it over and over and over again. But how often do you just stop? Just stop all of that and say, okay, let me talk to myself here. Let me respond to those voices with truth. Right? Soul. Okay? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. Hope in God. You know, listen, for me, I think um, one way that I, I, I experience that, that sensation of just listening to myself and my thoughts is when I'm just scrolling through social media. Right? You know, sometimes... Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm just looking at my Facebook feed or Instagram or something like that. You know, for me, I'm a pastor. Uh, you know, pastors are just like just like y'all, right? <laughs> like for you, you look at social media and you look at um, your friends on vacation or your friends uh, about in their with their boyfriends or girlfriends or their kids, right? Or you know, and and you you begin to be envious. You know what I do, right? I look at social media and I look at my pastor friends. And they're talking about, like, oh, we had, like, 18 baptisms this week, right? Or, like, we just had this awesome, like, training uh, seminar. I was like, dude, I, like, I probably need to ha- have a training seminar, right? Or, like, dude, like, dude, all, all the people that come to my church are Christians or something like that. And I, I, I just, I have these thoughts, right? And sometimes after, like, just scrolling social media for, like, an hour, man, I just feel sad. <laughs> right? I just feel depressed. And, um, yeah, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use social media, right? I mean, I think that it's a tool, and it can be used for good. And, you know, you can, you know, I mean, I I, I feel like I, I have to use social media because I want to know what my people are, are doing and thinking about and how I can pray for them better. And But, listen, if you use social media, just guard your heart. Don't just mindlessly pull it up and then just scroll and just let those thoughts just fill your head. Right? Guard your heart. Your heart is precious. Right? If you feel those negative emotions overwhelming you, just 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 close it. Right? Get out of there. If there's someone you're following and every time you follow them, it just makes you think these negative thoughts and envy th- envious thoughts, just stop following them. It's not worth it. Guard your hearts. And listen, social media, I mean, like, uh, man, some, before you post whatever you're going to post, just think to yourself, why am I posting this? Is it because I want people just to, just to see me? I want them to praise me, right? I mean, sometimes I, I, uh, I take a picture and I, I want to share it. But, I, I, yeah, I really want to share it with certain people that I love. And no one does this anymore. When's the last time you took a picture and you just messaged it to those five people that you really want to see it? Because right? that's, that's really all that matters. All right, I, you know, sometimes I come off like an old guy, especially at my church, which is full of like 20-somethings, right? So, you know, I'm not saying don't use social media, right? But just guard your heart. Be intentional about it. Don't just listen to yourself. Talk to yourself, right? And so how do you talk to yourself? What do you, what do you say to yourself? 
You know, Philippians 4, 6, it's a very famous verse. It says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known to God. But, you know, that's a very famous verse. Do you know what Philippians 4, 5 says right before it? It says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. When you can make that turn to recognizing, even in your negative thoughts and emotions and circumstances, that God is near, that's when everything turns around. When you realize that God is there, right next to you, And he still is who he is. God is near and God is God. Right? And that's what the psalmist says to himself. He says, hope in God, my salvation and my God. God, you are still my salvation. You are still my God. My hope is still in you, even though I feel all these things. And in the psalm, he calls, the psalmist calls God by several different names. He says, you are my salvation. You are my God. You are my rock. And he just keeps on saying that to himself. You are my hope. You are my God. You are my salvation. And you are my rock. Right? Listen, every experience and every negative emotion you have, it can go one of two ways. It can either lead you away from God or it can lead you toward God. And the choice is up to you which path you want to follow. Are you going to let those negative emotions lead you away from God, or are you going to let them actually push you closer to God? So, like several weeks ago, um, you've probably heard of this, uh, Joshua Harris, um, he posted this Instagram post saying that he is no longer a Christian. And, uh, yeah, I remember when that happened, you know, several people in my church were, like, pretty... uh, pretty affected by it <laughs> yeah there's some people in my church was you know, like they really loved his books on dating and they wanted to know like what am i supposed to do with this and um yeah so he was the famous dude who wrote i kissed dating goodbye back in the day i remember that when i was like in uh, i don't remember how it was a while ago right and yeah i remember recommending his books not that one i i recommended his second one where he, like, learned some more lessons. But I think he was, like, 20 when he wrote that first book, right? But, you know, like, listen, listen, this is what I would say about that. I don't want to speculate on all the reasons behind why he did what he did because I don't know. I don't know all the reasons. But, you know, what it reminded me of is that when you had— it was pretty obvious, though, that he, be- he began to have doubts about his faith. And what it reminded me of is when you have doubts, it could lead in one or two directions. It could lead you away from God, or it can lead you towards God. Now, he said, he, he called it deconstruction, right? He was deconstructing his faith. And listen, like, uh, I don't think deconstruction is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there, there's some things and some beliefs that, that, 
sometimes need to be deconstructed. Um, I think I felt, I went through something like that. I, I went through some kind of deconstruction. I remember when I first uh, started the ministry, I was a youth pastor. Uh, I was living in Texas at the time, and I was at this like really traditional um, Southern Baptist church with a lot of older folks that were very legalistic and traditional. And I was this young 23-year-old youth pastor, you know, and I was reading all these, you know, these new books that came out. And I was like, you know, I, I was genuinely like questioning, like, like, why is this really Christianity? Is this what I signed up for? Like just this legalism and this moralism. And I began to question my faith and question, you know, what really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be saved? You know, why did Jesus come to die? And I read, I read everything. I read, you know, all sorts of books, and some of them I wouldn't recommend now, right? But I read them, and I, it plunged me into different perspectives, and it plunged me deeper into the Bible. Like, I want to know, like, what does this really say? And um, at the time, I was taking some part-time seminary classes, and eventually I enrolled full-time. I remember I was like, uh, when I enrolled in seminary, I was like, man, I just want to know what, I want to know what this says, right? I just, I don't, I don't want to just take it, being hand-fed to me from somebody. I want to know what this says. I want to study church history. And I want to know what people said about it 2,000 years ago. And you know what? When I came out of all of that, I came out more sure of my faith than ever, right? I didn't abandon any of those traditional doctrines, but I just, I saw them more deep for what they really were, more nuanced. I saw the breadth of who God is. So doubt, deconstruction, they can actually, those, are, those could be good things. It may be something that God wants you to get deeper into your faith, deeper into what it really means to, to follow him. You know, honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that I studied a lot was apologetics in seminary. And, um, you know, I don't recommend this for everyone, but sometimes when I'm depressed, I, uh, I read my apologetics books. <laughs> because this is why, right? Because sometimes I just need to be reminded. Hey, even actually after I read that Joshua Harris thing, I was like, oh, dude, you know, is he on to something? For a moment, I was like, is he on to something? And then I just like, like I read some of my my Bible and my books, and I went to some of my apologetics books, and I'm like, no, he's not right, right? And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll just, like, look at the historicity of the resurrection. So I'll read some of that stuff because, you know, when you're, you're in those emotions, sometimes you got to remind yourself, Jesus was a real person. He really did rise from the dead. And how I feel right now doesn't change that. It ha- he rose from the dead. Whether I feel, I feel it or I, I don't. He died on the cross, whether I feel it or I don't. Sometimes maybe that's what you need to do. You need to re- just remind yourself of the historicity, the truth of who God is. So when you talk to yourself, remind yourself, God is near. God is God. He is true. He is your hope. He says, you know, God, you are... Uh, God, you are hoping God, right? And you know when you say when he when he says hope in God, at the same time he's saying 
don't hope in other things. He's saying to himself, where is your hope right now? What are you hoping in? And he's, he's, he, sometimes you need to just kind of put that through your soul a little bit. Why are you feeling so depressed right now? Because maybe you're just so worried about what this person thinks of you. Or, and, uh, you know, and, and, and you need to say, so don't put your hope in what people think of you. You know what happens when you just live your life trying to please people? You know where that leads you? It just leads you to slavery. Don't hope in that. Maybe, maybe when you look at your soul, you realize you're so worried and depressed because you're so worried about this, how this test is going to come out or how this situation at work is going to come out. Maybe something beyond your control. And you need to just say to yourself, soul, don't put your hope in your job. Don't put your hope in your career because you know how that turns out. Hope in God. Right? Hope in God. And then you, then you come back to your situation, whatever it is, and you just, your test, your job, right, this conflict. And you say, God, just what, do I, what, am, what, what, do I, what am I supposed to do, right? And just be obedient. Go and do, study hard on your test, right? And then just leave it there because you're talking to yourself. I mean, honestly, I have to do that with my sermons sometimes. Sometimes, like, I'm running my sermons, and I'm like, dude, this is not good. <laughs> you know, this, this is not, not good. I don't think this is going to convict nobody, right? Like this, I said this like two weeks ago. I know their eyes are going to glaze over. You know, sometimes I just, I have to talk to myself while I'm writing my sermon, be like, Ben, you know, your identity is not based on how good of a preacher you are. Do you know, do you remember that? Right? You are a child of God. Just do your best with your sermon and just preach it, right? Maybe you need to do that with your life, <laughs> you know, with the stuff that you are, you are called to do every week, right? So don't, so number one, don't uh, name your emotions. Number two, talk to yourself. And lastly, worship in community. Worship in community. Um. So what you see here is that this song leader, this worship leader, he also is yearning to be back with his community worshiping God. He's yearning to, to, be, he, he, to worship again. Look at verse 2. He's like, when shall I appear before God? He's saying, he's God, when can I get back to the temple, right, and be in your presence? Right? In verse 4, he says he's reminding himself, these things I remember, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. He's remembering those joyful times of worship, and he yearns, he's looking forward to it again. You know, he says, hope in God, I shall again praise him. He's thinking about that time. He's like, yeah, right now I'm really far away from my, my church. I haven't been to worship service because I can't. But, man, I'm looking forward to that time when I shall again praise him with my brothers and sisters. And I yearn for that. Do you yearn for corporate worship? Do, do you look forward to it? Look, I, and let's be honest. Sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't look forward to going to my small group in my house. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. And so it drains me, 
to be around people. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I, I genuinely enjoy it, but it does drain me. So I don't look forward to it. You know, sometimes, you know, I don't want to go to a small group, but I just, well, I can't, I don't have a choice because I'm in the house. Right. But like, sometimes I just force my, you have to force yourself just to go. But I, whenever we do this at the end of the day, you're like, I'm so glad I forced myself to go. Right. Because look, worship the reason you come to work, the reason you sing songs, the reason you, sub, you listen to a sermon on God's word is because you need it. Because you just need it for your soul. Right? You need to remind, you need that time of singing those songs to remind yourself of these truths. Um, you need to hear from God um, because, you're, because if you don't have it, it's like not eating. Right? How do you feel if you've missed even like two meals? Right? You don't have to force yourself to eat again. You just you yearn for it. The first thing you do is you eat. That's what corporate worship is. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for God to speak to you and strengthen you if you are weak. So if you're weak, come to worship with God's people so that God can speak to you and strengthen you. And man, yeah, you just need it. You just need it every week. Right? I know our lives are crazy. We got tons of stuff. But man, I just encourage you, make uh, corporate worship a priority in your life. Just carve it out, right? Because you just need it. You need God to strengthen you through corporate worship. You need to hear people around you singing praise to God, even if you can't sing it yourself. You need to have people around you talking into your life, bringing the gospel into your life. You need to pray for other people and listen to others. And that's how God will bring you out of some of those negative emotions. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, he wrote the classic Life Together. You know, just so good about community. And one, one quote from there, he says, he says this, Sin demands to have a man by himself. And that's how it works, right? The way sin gets into your heart, the way sin starts to attack you and defeat you and lead you down those dark paths is just, it wants you to just be alone. It wants you to be away from your community. Don't fight them, right? Pursue your community if you have those negative emotions. Share them with your community. Let them speak truth into your life. You know, maybe you can be that person for someone else. And, you know, if someone comes to you with some of these negative emotions, don't, don't do the, like, you know, let's, you know, what is, don't, don't too soon go to, what is God teaching you, right? Just, just cry with them, right? Just let them process those emotions, right? And there, do, there, does, there does come a time where you want to point them to Jesus and point them to Christ. So my question for this church is, is this church a place where you can come and you can just, you can ask hard questions? You can bring your doubts you can bring your depression. We can, you can do that together as brothers and sisters. 
And then you can together say, let's, let's, let's get into this book, right? Let's dive deep into this book. Let's hear from God what God has to say to us in our depression, in our negative emotions, and, 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 and together work through it. So how do, you, how do you currently deal with your negative emotions? Right? Are you stuffing your emotions? Are you passively just listening to yourself? I want to invite you to bring them before God. Right? Bring them before God. Bring them before your church community. Talk to yourself. Speak truth to yourself. Let others speak truth to you. Let's pray. Dear God, we uh, just want to come to you, Lord. And Lord, I know, I just know that um, there are people in this room for which this topic hits very close to home. And we feel these feelings, these dark feelings. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help us to know that um, that we're not weird or unspiritual for feeling those feelings. And that God, Lord, you are a man of sorrows. You know what it's like to feel those feelings because you were betrayed. You were, you walked that path of loneliness. And Jesus, you know, you also wept. God, I just pray, Lord, um, that you would help us to come before you with those emotions and be honest with them. God, I pray that you would help us to know that you are near. I pray that these emotions would not draw us away from you, but they would draw us towards you. To know your presence to know that you walk with us in our suffering. God, would you remind us to hope in you that when we put our hope in these other empty things in our lives, they will disappoint us. Help us to turn from those things. Help us to turn to you. I pray this in your name.